Hello, everybody, and welcome to Insane Rhetoric. We are so happy you decided to come and join us today. We have a great topic for you today, and we know you will love it as much as we do. So come on in and enjoy the ride. That is Insane Rhetoric. Hey guys, this is Fire from Insane Rhetoric. Check this out. Listen, we need your help in sustaining future episodes, conversations, so we can bring more of the craziness and the insanity to you that's going on in your community, in your city, and in your world. Can you please help us to donate to Insane Rhetoric? And your small, medium, or large gifts are more than appreciated. And we would love to keep this station coming to you and giving you the information that you need about the insanity in your world. So check this out. Please, please, please donate to Insane Rhetoric so we can sustain future episodes. Hey, thank you once again. Fire out. It's like we constantly have to hold up the mantle while we're having these talks with our children, black or brown. And then two, you know, I'm quite sure everybody on this page, we all grew up with that village mentality. You know, it that the African proverb that it takes a village to raise a child. It takes a village to look after and rear the children. It takes a village to come together and shape and mold our, our young men, whether it be men or women. Now, I don't want to go too deep into the cultural aspects of it, but every day it's like a constant prayer. Lord, can we just go out and do what we need to do and come home safely without any problem? I'm quite sure that was Tyree's mom's prayer. Lord, can my baby just make it home every day? And then here we see that he didn't. So yeah, Rachel has continued to weep for her children. And Rachel is, and the whole comforting part that I get from this, Rachel is not going to be comforted until systems are addressed and changed to where our black skin is no longer vilified and condemned because we are black or weaponized because we are black but we just didn't lose Tyree. We lost five officers as well, who are fathers, brothers, sons, husbands, because we're under a system yet again. Nobody wanna talk about the system. Nobody wanna go to the root cause of this authoritarian type, I put on this badge so I have the authority. So now there are six or seven lives destroyed in this whole process. And Rachel is not going to be comforted because her weeps and her wails is going to continue to cry out until we all come together and deal with the root cause of the system that is going on. Yeah, and 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 I definitely agree with that. I I know that 
here on Insane Rhetoric, we've actually been kind of talking about that system over the last several weeks Mm -hmm. in in a lot of the different shows that we've been doing recently. And I and I and I get it. Like if you go back and you listen to the shows, one of the things about Insane Rhetoric is that we try to show both sides of every coin Mm -hmm. and even the third side. Mm -hmm. Okay. And a lot of times I'll take that other one where I'm saying, ah, don't blame, stop blaming, blaming Whitey. Y'all just always want to blame Whitey. But you're right. The system was meant, and I think uh, it was a, a guest we had on the show uh, on the on the, the man cave who talked about that system of divide and conquer. And he's absolutely right. You know, if you go back and if you read history, it is there in black and white, which is probably why Texas is not trying not to have it in black and white anymore. Okay. But it's in black and white. You see the systematic breakdown of family. You see the systematic breakdown of people of color. What's interesting to me though is that in spite of all of that, most people in my world I, I don't care if they single mother. I don't care if they come from a two-parent two household home where it's a mother and a father or a mother and a mother or a father and a father. Like, the people in my world, everyone is a part of that village that you spoke of. Everyone will correct everyone's kids. Even to this day, the little ones are corrected by everyone in their world. And so even if families are, you know, they call them the broken home, you know, cause they're not a mom and a daddy and 2.2 kids. Mm-hmm. Even if they come from a single parent home, which there are those challenges there in and of itself, like they, they, they are the challenges you have in a single parent home, but mm-hmm. still you have that single parent being engaged in these children's lives the best way they can, the most that they can, you know, keeping, keeping in mind that they have to work or whatever, whatever, but they are engaged in these children's lives. And these children in my world grow up knowing that they are loved Mm -hmm. in my world they grow up having a sense of right or wrong Mm -hmm. I get accused of being the bougie and all of that and white girl and I laugh about being the white girl and all of that but in my world the black children know that they are a part of something bigger than themselves Okay. I, I'm being cool to Kenta right now. I got you. No, I, I, I agree. Only, I think it's still, and it's still a part of my world. 
you know, even though with some children, I step back because I, I like to assess the situation because I understand by me being a pastor and a community worker, you know, I know that I have to gain the trust, not only of the children, but of the parents. A lot of times when I am dealing with families, you know, I come straight to the parents case in point. I'll, I'll use this analogy. When I was in property management, and a lot of young folks is getting their first apartments and their parents are there and they, they trying to, you know, they trying to make sure ain't nobody, you know, trying to get over on their children. Honey, I engage the parents, even though the child is 21, 21, mom and daddy there. And mama's all like, this is my baby. This is that. I said, ma'am, I, I, and I respect that. I said, but let, let's, 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 let's set some, let's set a tone. I said, when you come into this office, I am going to treat you like an adult. I am going to make sure that your child and your children is okay, but I am going to make sure that rules are followed on both ends. And then I addressed the children. I said, now, when you're dealing with issues and you have to deal with me directly, I said, you could call mom and daddy, and many of them have. I said, but remember, you are an adult now. You signed a lease. So it's like getting back to that point in a sense of establishing, hey, I'm right there with you. I'm, I am a person that you can trust. I am a person that you could come to and be, and I'm going to make sure everybody is okay. But what we're not going to do, we're not going to disrespect. We're not, I'm not going to disrespect you. You're not going to disrespect me, but we're all going to treat each other with the respect and dignity that is deserved. So I, that's, that's what those five gentlemen did though. And actually we found out it was 14 gentlemen, but the, but the five that came to the forefront, that's what they did. Mm -hmm. They forgot their home training too. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And they disrespected this young man. They disrespected him to the point of his death. Right. Mm -hmm. You got something to say, Fire? I'm going to go and let you say it. I just, you know, I, I I was hearing your comment about what you said about the police. And I'm I'm at liberty just to say this, that everybody don't come from good homes, so maybe they didn't have the home training. Because we we understand that everybody is not grown up in a ideal household, you know, where they have those rules in place they have those regulations in place where they can actually be what is called uh an upstanding citizen or or, or what you want to call it in that in that nature one of the things that i i had an issue with when red dragon said something about how they behave who gives anybody the right to tell you how you are supposed to behave like when you are in that type of a stop, you know what I'm saying, and your life is on the line, that that's your life. What do you mean? <laughs> what do you mean? So that in that particular instance, I can't I can't agree with that because certain things and certain uh parameters prevent a person of acting what you consider normal, which Didi know and fire and, and ice know. There is no such thing as normal. <laughs> but, <laughs> like, so, so how do you gauge the way that a person is supposed to act 
in in any type of situation because like i say we all grew up in different households we all had boundaries and different type of things we all did things different and in the household that i grew up in and just make it quick it's like we grew up in a in a churchy household so one of my truths was it was wrong to play cards that was of the devil you too <laughs> you know you know what i'm saying but that was my truth you know mm -hmm. what i'm saying and when you go to somebody else's it's different it's a different dynamic in what their truth is so okay I, so I, I'm, I'm, just I'm gonna have to red dragon respond to that and then i got something to say to that go ahead what i meant by behave is you're and is that what you said it was hard for you to to really uh accept that well that that was my point exactly you do have personalities that are so strong, they are not submissive, especially when they catch on that something is not right. But it's in that same instance that where you are totally in your, your human right to react could cost you your life. And in that instance, when I say behaving, yeah, it is to a certain point humiliating and demeaning, but as a mother coming from a mother standpoint, if that's gonna get you home, then you humble the hell out of yourself. Step and fetch it your way back to my house and then we'll take it from there, but make it home. <clears throat> I and have to say- is the behavior I was taught, like a submissive behavior, even though it may be hard for a lot of strong personalities, the core reason is they want to see you submit. They want your submission. It's a power thing in certain situations. And it may be hard to do that. But if it means, like you said, if your life is on the line, maybe that may be that fine line that brings you home. It may not be something that is, is, is what we are preaching that you do. It may not be who you are. But that may be a behavior, a survival strategy that will get you home. I, I want to say this. She from we're in the she shed. So from a from a mother perspective, she's not wrong. We we want. I'm 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 guilty of it myself. I think I told the story about how my son was a little shrimpy kid. It took forever for him to grow tall. Now he's taller than all of us, but it took forever. I think that boy was like 14 and he still looked like he was 10. Okay. <clears throat> he was he was always in a bully fight because he was shrimpy. And short of stature shrimpy okay <laughs> he was always in a bully fight he would finally i think it was late elementary going into junior high he came home and he said i gotta learn how to fight and i said i don't want you to fight I don't, you can't fight at school, student code of conduct. You, uh, can, uh, I only want you to fight if it's, if it's uh, you know, 
Now, I don't want retaliation. I, I need you to protect yourself and get from out the corner. But otherwise, I, I need you to try to fight without going to jail because they're trying to send you to jail in elementary school. Like we got the student code of conduct. You had to sign it. I had to sign it. Okay. He said, you got to teach me how to fight. So I started with the mechanics of fighting. I got a book on boxing. And I started with the mechanics of fighting. This is called a jab, this blah, blah, blah. This is this, is this, and this. My son looked at me and said, ain't nobody fighting like that on the street. <laughs> he already knew. And I said, he learned it, but, mm -hmm. but that's what he said to me. And so then he said, I said, I know, you're right, so let's go. He said, Mama, I can't hit you. I said, why? He said, well, first of all, you're a girl. Uh, uh, and what else? Well, Mama, you my mama. <laughs> I said, well, let's fight. Don't hold back. Whatever you got, give it to me. Just try not to hit me in the face. Please not to face. Please don't hit me in the face. And he went to welling on his mama. He, really, <laughs> he went to welling on his mama. I think that was a residual anger and frustration. And so I, I didn't hit back, but I would swing a certain way. I would protect myself a certain way. Maybe, you know, he was shrimpy so I could pick him up and dump him, you know, like that. But not to the point where I would hurt him, but where I could give him that, you know, whatever that is on the street you got to do. Right. Whatever. Uh -huh. Right. You know, so I could give him that. Mm -hmm. And if I tell you, he learned, y'all, that's my dog, sorry. Mm -hmm. If I tell you, it helped him as he went on up in school. Mm -hmm. But at the last day of junior high school, I said, son, <sighs> Can we please not fight? Can we? I was I was actually doing like this. Son, can we, can we get out of high school? Can we get out of junior high school? I don't want to go to high school. I don't want to be back at junior high school no more. <laughs> I asked him if he got into the fight with this one particular boy, if he would take a knee, a Colin Kaepernick knee. They didn't have Colin Kaepernick wasn't doing his thing at the time, but it's it, I, I resembled the Colin Kaepernick knee. I asked him to do that. He said, I can't do that. I said, why? I just need you to get out of school. So I'm back to what Red Dragon said, right? Mm -hmm. I'm asking you to just be submissive for me. Just mama's worried. Mama's worried. Please, 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 please. Like that. Mm -hmm. That's what we do as mamas. Most of us that are nurturers. That's what we do. But then, too, you do have some mamas that is like, okay, if, if they come at you, right? You know, you and, you and that, that had been ultimate. my stand. That had been my stand the whole time, Didi. Mm -hmm. That had been my stand. But I wanted him to get from junior high, right, to summer to high school, mm -hmm. and I was begging, and I knew he wasn't gonna do it. <laughs> It's, it's, and it's then not... I got a phone call. Mm. Mom, can you come home from work right now? 
Oh, I, I, I quite actually lived around the corner from my job. Oh, wow. You within were a block. You were never <laughs> I went home and he took his shirt off and he said, I told you, I told you, I didn't want to do that, but I did it because you kept begging. And he had bruised, you know, he, he red bone. Mm. What we call red bone, y'all. High yellow. <laughs> he he had all these bruises. So now my son actually, for the first time in his life, I don't think he ever did what I said after that. Mm -hmm. And he didn't do before. But I had to do, I had now, I had to so take care of this because my son believed in me and trusted me to take care of him when he knew he needed to take care of himself. Mm -hmm. He knew it. I went, took him back up to that school and I clowned. Y'all ain't never actually seen me clown. Fire seen me clown. I clowned. So see, when he laughed, he know what that looked like because he seen me clown. Mm -hmm. I clown with them white people. And the, and the, and the result was, the other boy went to, he paid a fine and went to, uh, what you call it, not jail, but uh, juvenile, juvenile detention, juvenile, mm. okay, because it was assault. Mm. I turned it into assault, you see, because otherwise that student code of conduct says, if you fight to protect yourself, it's retaliation. Mm. So everyone gets. Mm -hmm. So I needed my son to, and I was scared he wasn't going to do it because it's in him to know that he have to protect himself. And up till then and now, and, and now I still do, and he's a grown man, I still say, whoop they ass. Did you win? Yeah. <laughs> right? Right. Okay. I want to bring that something up about that. My youngest son, Maurice, recently, uh, he has a very close bond with his oldest, my oldest son, uh, his brother Isaiah. And he had, he is so level-headed. So he actually thinks his way out of, uh, of fights and bullying situations. Now, my son is, uh, Maurice is just about taller than me, and he's 13. He's very popular in school, but strong, you know, kind of small. He has these bullies coming up to him, different racial backgrounds. And he is of the mindset, I'm not going to let you bring me to your level because I like school. I have an exemplary record, which he does, and he's a model student. And when we talk about these things, when he gets home, it's like he'll go to his brother and the first thing his brother said, did you whoop their ass? Did you do this? No, you need to do that. No, you need to state this, let this bully know because they just gonna keep coming back. And I'm like, well, how do you feel about that? And he's like, well, I can understand using my hands to take care of that situation, but I'm not trying to get suspended. I'm not trying to get a bad record. So then he goes to look at, starts analyzing why, what, what the problem is. 
Well, they're trying to do this and they're trying to do that. Well, how do you go around that? Remove myself from the situation, go tell a teacher, go do this. So, and this is a predominantly white school, but it's very diverse. So they have Arabs, they got Mexicans, Blacks, everything. I'm sorry, um, Palestinians. I, I don't know the politically correct. <laughs> no, I'm pol- Middle East. But okay. so, <laughs> yeah, I'm just saying that because of this, and he does have a large background of friends, so he's quite popular. But because he is of the fact that he's not a violent type of black kid, the teachers love him. He does not, he carries himself in a manner where I'm not going to let you bring me down. So recently he was bullied on the bus and this was a so-called friend of his, kept pushing, kept doing this. And he's like, mom, every single day, every single time, this guy keeps doing this. He keeps doing this. He keeps doing that. And I'm like, well, what he's, I'm trying to avoid a confrontation, but it's getting to the point where I don't like that they trying to punk me. This is what See, they're trying. Why they gotta feel that? Why they gotta feel that? And it's like exactly why do uh why they gotta push you? Why is it this, that, and the other? He's all like, I have no idea. There's no reasoning for this. This makes no sense. So what are you gonna do about it? He said, Mom, I just started pushing him back. I said, well, did he do anything after that? He's all like, you know what? No, he just left me alone. But I had to do something for myself. I said, okay, did you get in trouble? I was scared about getting in trouble. But because he is such Mm. a model student, they're like, oh, that was self-defense. But see, here's my problem, though. We can contain it as mothers, grandmothers, whatever we are. From little kid to junior high, they get to high school, I'm telling you, it's like the light bulb goes off in the world and your son get your black son get to high school and then all of a sudden they're a target and they're being stopped on the street. And we can't control it because now they're going to football practice on their own. They're going to this on their own. And And we we can't control those five black cops or those Mm -hmm. five white cops that are going to do something to them. We have those conversations very early now because he's seeing the news. He hears it. And we come home and he's like, well, mom, we have dare at school. We have these police officers. But they're not going to help them when exactly. they're out there at the traffic stop. So we, the stuff goes out the window. We have those conversations about how do you react? If this happens, what do you do? Okay. We have to do that every day because he, uh, he's got friends. And they're like, man, I would do this. Kids are impressionable. Let, they let see D. somebody acting one way, they want to do that. Let I'm D. just hey, grateful okay. that... I hold on, that. hold on, hold on, hold on. Let her finish her sentence. Okay. I'm just grateful that they're starting to have these conversations where they are using discernment. I may not, I may be able to act, or I want to act that way, but you know what? Maybe if I do this, it would be better. Having yeah. these conversations with a 12, 13, 14-year-old 
black It's different child. from having one that's 18. Let, let Diddy get in him. It's very different. That's let why Diddy I get in him. you have to start young with having these conversations. But it's not going to help them. When Red Dragon. Red Dragon. Hold on. Hold on. Let Hold on. Let Diddy get in. Try to say Because you, you, you're not wrong, but let's, let's, let's right. get, let us all, let wrong, us all say something. Not wrong by the stretch of the imagination, but I got a name for you, Philando Castile. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yes. Philando Castile, and uh, who else? He he was walking away from a scene and shot him seven times in the back while he yep. was getting in the car in front of his children. Yep. Yeah. That's, that's that what had, that's what I'm talking about. What can we do? Because these idiots that we're putting in office are not doing anything about that and they and the idiots that we're putting in office they cannot control a person who's at a traffic stop and doesn't know why the person in an unmarked car across the street is yelling at him and then approaches the car at 250 pounds versus 145 pounds with Crohn's disease. He doesn't know why he was beat down. Go ahead, uh, Didi. Okay. I hear hear all of that. Let Let me just backtrack just a little bit. You're asking how can we control? First of all, that's the myth. In my opinion, we, we can't, can't control, control it. We mm-hmm. can't. Once your child leaves the house and leaves the safety and the comfort of your nurturing just to go to school, just to go to the stove, there is no control. Look, y'all, she couldn't yeah. even she couldn't even say she was speaking all so eloquently. And then when she got the store, she said stove. This is how real this is for us as mothers. And and sisters, and 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 wives and daughters, that sometimes we can speak so eloquently, and then all of a sudden we just so excited we got to say sto. Sto, we you're right because my whole thing is this: how can I control the safety of my husband if he's gone? And my husband used to work in law enforcement. You know, is again a straight bullet don't have no preference. Uh, uh, bullying is not a respect of a person. Bullying is only seeing how far that they can take it before you actually press a button. Then on top of all of that, we can do all the compliance in the world, do everything that has been told to us, and still we're having hashtags so-and-so-and-so-and-so. So my premise is this. He said, what can we do? We have, in in a sense, we have to take it back to accountability and still deal with the system. See, Black folks don't want to deal with systems because we don't trust the systems that is already stacked against us. So why should we even put ourselves in the forefront? This is the mentality, most of the mentality and most of the things. But you see folks from the Paul White side, they're infiltrating school boards, They're infiltrating local meetings. They're infiltrating the PTA. Now, I went to a predominantly white high school in South County here in St. Louis. 
The day I got called a nigga was the day I knew I was getting ready to go home and get expelled because I, you know, my parents say, you know, you when you go out, I come from that long line of thinking, you go out here, you represent my name. Mm -hmm. So you watch how you represent us. And I'm being the oldest. So I made sure I didn't get in there. And I was bullied a lot until one day I had to come home and daddy had to teach me how to shadow box because it was getting to be a little too much. I was mm -hmm. the sanctified girl because I always had on skirts. <laughs> and then one day I saw one of my cousins getting beat up by a dude and my her and had three older brothers. And one of the brothers was trying to talk to the uh dude while he steady taking jabs at my cousin who was a girl. And I'm thinking like, oh, hell to the no. mouth. This mm -hmm. is not going to be me. You push me in the corner, I'm going to come out swinging. If it comes to that day that I, uh, mom and dad, look, I did what you told me to do, but no, they, they wasn't having it. The fact but, of the matter is, is that we have to go back to the days as to where we got to start. It, that is why I work in the community. That is why I am telling folks, you need to vote. That is why you need to understand who is on these school boards and who is on these juvenile detention boards and who is on these parole boards, because if they're going to continually perpetuate a system where mothers are constantly coming and coming and see another thing that they cannot handle, they cannot handle a strong black woman who's going to come and assert themselves about their children. Right. See, you know, we the good, we the good black folk. Well, we well that's why I became the tiger mom. They were, I would walk in the room and, and they I would walk into the school. They called me tiger mom. I didn't care. It should be because see, we the good black folks. See, when we don't rub through your feathers, we the good black folk. You know, oh Dee Dee, right. she's a step. You're cool, but let me walk into Dee Dee because you messing with me and mine. Now I'm the angry black woman. No, mm -hmm. it's because when we start to demand and command the same dignity and respect as little Sally Sausagehead, who was blonde, blue-haired, and white, is getting because she shared. I ain't never ate a blonde sausage, but okay. Yeah. <laughs> Unless it was chicken sausage. That's blonde hair. She started crying. <laughs> Or, or, or Billy Joe Bob, because, you know, because he know. do you know who my father is? Is that like Billy Bob throwing? I, I guess so. I but the fact of the matter is, is that when we start commanding the same dignity and respect that many white folks is demanding from folks and people that are in these systems that are designed to take our children from the school to the prison, it's the school to prison pipeline. And then they're not showing respect to mothers because they already got us labeled as a stereotype. Are uh, you a single mother? So you ghetto anyway. You probably got four, five kids and don't know. Who. So that's the that's the mentality that we're already dealing with. And then too, I'm gonna have to play a little devil's advocate because some of these teachers that are up here dealing with children, I talk to teachers. They say, hey, if your child is two and three and five and eight years old and they already cussing because your mom at home think it's cute but then they come to the school and acting crazy. Then the teachers are already, look, child, look, I tried to deal with that. I see the apple ain't falling far from the tree. So I'm going to say this. And then has grown numb. I'm going to say this. And then I'm gonna, I want to hear what Red Dragon has to say about numb. what we can do. I'm going to say this and then I'm going to, I'm going to pass it to Red Dragon. Cause I want to hear, hear her answer what we could do, but you're absolutely right. Just recently I was in a, teacher meeting 
mm-hmm. at the school that I work at. And um, one of the homeroom teacher of a particular girl that I work with in reading said, oh my goodness, you just take her off my hands. Oh, when you take her off my hands, I just, I, it's just for a moment a day, I, you know, because I have them like 30 minutes in group. And she was like, you just, you just take her off my hands. And she looked bewildered when I said, I don't have issues with her. Now, granted, I only have her for 30 minutes and you have her all day, but I don't have issues with her at all. I can see where you do, like I see, I see it, but it's like the light bulb comes on when she's with me and she wants to do well for me. She wants to do well. And the lady was, she, the teacher was like, she was bewildered. She was like, well, okay, well, at least she's with you. She's, because with me, it's just, I, and so I said, well, if you're coming from this perspective, one day she said to me in the small group, well, I have anger issues. Mm-hmm. And I said, I said, well, baby, why are you saying you have anger issues? Who told you that? And she said, well, my mama and my doctor. Mm-hmm. She, said. she said, my mama and my doctor. And I just looked at her and I said, huh, what do you think? Well, Sometimes when I get mad, I mean, you know, I will, I will kind of go off. And I said, well, maybe you shouldn't go off. I'm, they can't help what they get. They get what they get. But that still doesn't help a person like Tyree in the street being killed by 14 police officers who are mostly african-american i uh, i greatly admire uh the children of activists because they teach their children survival and i i, I like the those that teach their children survival training i used to look at that and thought that was eccentric over the top and rather extreme but given the times that we are living in now, it's time out. Children don't have time to be kids anymore because we need to educate, we need to arm. And when I mean arm, I mean that in so many ways. I mean that uh, as a means of being aware, knowledgeable, defensive, counter-defensive, and able to protect themselves all in one big bubble. Uh, And by doing it by any means necessary, I have seen where there are fathers, young fathers in maybe a generation under me that have daughters and they are teaching their daughters at a young age how to properly handle a firearm giving their daughters self-defense classes early on. But then the way that they are 
raising, they are taking them out. They're traveling with them. They are setting the bar so high with these, with their daughters, but in the same instance, giving them tools and resources for themselves to be able to be out here and be able to defend themselves in situations at a young age. When you see that child of an activist or survivalist or a parent that takes that sort of plan, a route of action with their child, and you set that child aside to, you know, your regular average every day, the stark difference in the way those kids move and carry themselves and navigate through certain situations, I, it's just, I can't turn a blind eye to that. And so when we talk about how do we prepare our children, maybe this will ruffle a few feathers, but hey, taking advice or taking a page out of the book from a survivalist, an activist, someone who is uh, very politically aware of what's going on, I say take a page out of their book and start arming your children the right way to prepare uh, to, to be able to defend themselves. And I, I wanted to, I didn't want to take it out of contest and saying, you know, from a militant standpoint, but in a way I do, I do understand the need for it. If we are acknowledging that we have a system that is targeting us and vilifying us, then how can we vilify ourselves for taking on a mentality of making sure our kids are ready at a Hold young on. age? Hold on. Dee Dee wanted to say something. I want to hear what you're saying. I, I semi-agree with some of the stuff that you're saying, Red Dragon. Go ahead, Dee Dee. There was a couple of things Red Dragon said. Number one, you said something to the fact that children don't have the opportunity to be children anymore. I believe they do, even though we see our children growing up so fast in a society that is requiring them to grow up so quickly. We as the adults have the, the power to create the space for children to be children. But because so many of the adults are so wrapped up in their own ideology and, and ideas and antiquated understanding, and in some cases, oppressive understanding of what it means to be a child and what it means to be a family. First of all, let's take the colonization off of it. We are going by old Jim Crow, white folks standard of what it means to be a family. <clears throat> that was never the case. As black folks and especially as black women, we have always taken everybody's child in our home, no matter who they were, growing mm -hmm. up, nurturing them, cooking for them, cleaning, making sure that they get an education. That, that has been our culture mm -hmm. for, for so long. I am of the belief now that no amount of preparation can get us ready for any child to deal with what them cops did to Tyree. Mm -hmm. But what I do appreciate is, is that we can control the narrative. Because mm -hmm. if you notice that every time that there is something dealing, especially with a child, or a kid of color, a black kid or whatever, 
they, they want to first try to find and see if they got a record, then they're going to flash them all over there and say, this is what they did in the past. Mm-hmm. But when you humanize them, and, and, and this is what his mama did, my son was this. He was a photographer. He wasn't your average kid. He was a skateboarder kid. You know, for some white people, that's shocking. Wait a minute. He he wrote the skateboard? Right. Like sport? No, he took photography. He had a wonderful personality. So we have to start to the fact of humanizing and get back to the narrative of humanizing our children. And, and, and we have to watch what we speak over our children. Words have power. power. Yep. That's why I said that children are not having the opportunity to be kids because they are in environments that are totally snuffing out what we have come to know as childhood and forcing them, propelling them into dysfunctional situations so early that that premise that you're talking about for arming them, it, there, there's no, there, it's not fair. That's why I, I meant that they're not given that opportunity because I, of just what you meant. I, I get what you're saying, but I, I still have to agree to disagree. And the reason why is, is that because there has to be, a, there are adults out there that are willing to create that environment. But we live in a society now that we are totally distrusting of one another. I live in a building, an apartment building. I don't know who half my neighbors are, but I have another neighbor who get to know everybody on her floor, even their children, because we create that sense of community. And if there are people out there whom that we are trusting to be able to do this, and I'm not saying you just randomly leaving children with any and everybody, but I'm saying we have created a, a society as to where we can't trust the pastors. We can't trust, we even can't trust some community leaders. Let's just break it down to what time it is. Mm-hmm. We vilify uh, and stigmatize, really, it's, stigmat- it's stigmatism. We vilify and stigmatize somebody based upon their actions, whether they just made a wrong decision in life. And then it's like you saying, you got mothers trying to be everything to everybody and have nothing left for themselves to include the nurturing in some cases, not all, some cases that they can't even give back over to their children because they're just too busy just trying to make ends meet. So where does the solution come then? The solution comes is that because there has to be one or two people that's just going to make it up in their minds to say, hey, look, not on my watch. And the problem is the people are out there, but we don't shine the spotlight on them. Right on them. Mm-hmm. The, the the sensationalism is so and so and so and so got got is is dead because, and yeah. then we hear okay another black person dead because. But the thing of it is is that when you bring the narrative back over, say oh this person was a pillar in their community, they gave this, they gave that, they did this. See, don't nobody want to hear about that because What's now what that does is that creates a sense of compassion and Mm -hmm. empathy Mm -hmm. for the cultures outside of the culture that Mm -hmm. is struggling. Why do you think we see such a pushback in Florida and other red states about wokeness? Now they done took woke. We can't have nothing. They done took woke (laughs) because they don't want their white kids to empathize with the struggles and understand the systems that are in place that are injustice. So, we're seeing it, 
but the noise is being drowned out by the mm-hmm. because fear equals profit. Profit, you exactly. You exactly. keep being fear enough of a black boy, your son's Maurice's age. And he's just a black boy. You keep me in fear enough of Ronnie, a strong black man, a a good friend of mine that I know, strong black man. You keep me in fear and I'm a little old white lady. But at the same time, oh my God, they're poisoning our children's mind. Our children means your little white children. Mm -hmm. Because your children are seeing how the adults are acting like complete, can I say asshole? You can say whatever you want to say. Oh, okay, kids, because your children is acting, because the adults are acting like complete assholes in the system. So now what they're going to do, they're going to look and say, wait a minute, something ain't right here. We need to go over here and help them because if I get certain privileges, then they deserve certain privileges as well. There's nothing wrong with so-and-so and so-and-so. That's my friend. There's, I saw a joke by Paul Mooney the other day that tickled me. Little white kid put some chocolate on his face, and which his mom said, Mom, look, I'm black. Mama slapped the kid and said, Go, do, we don't do that in this house. We don't go talk to your dad. Dad, look, I'm black. Slap the kid again. We don't do that in this house. You know better than that. We don't. Do, then when you go to the grandparents, smack the kid again. Now come back, say, Now what have you learned? I've learned that I've been black for three seconds and I already hate you, white people. You're right. <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry. I heard that. So, so I, I, uh, I, I, I have three things I want to say when you get okay, done, so, Didi. Well, we're gonna let let Didi finish. Okay. Then we're gonna go I'm to saying. then we're gonna go to Red Dragon, and then we're gonna go to uh, Fire. Okay. So I, all I want to say is this: solutions is this. Black folks, we have to get back involved in the things that co- that affect our community. And there are some people that are willing to do it. And the people that are out here doing it, they need the support. Maybe it's not for you to be on certain type of boards and stuff. But how many Black folks have we literally seen at PTA meetings? Right. It starts there. Right. That's where they come. They can shape and mold the child's mind. So my child... So when I remember going to a PTA meeting out here, it was a sea of white folks. I was at a predominantly white high school. Not now. Not now. There she go. Look at her. Not now. Not now. None of them. You know them. I'm from the country. None of them. So we have to start there. (laughs) We have to start being aware of who is sitting on the board and who is trying to educate my child? We have to we have to show up in meetings as to where, you know, in the community. Why are there always liquor stores in our community and yet still we can't get nutritious food? Why is my area a food desert? Didn't you know that alcohol was a food group? <laughs> it's a preservative. <laughs> It used to be five, nine, six is alcohol. <laughs> five of them, no, sorry, six of them. Okay, come on, I put that shit in everything. Come on, Red Dragon. What were you trying uh, to say? I wanted to speak on that. I do believe that uh, a sense of community used to be the stronghold of uh, just the Black community in and of itself. And because of that, we were able to draw from each other, empower one another. But our kids saw that, and you see that evident in certain generations uh, uh, of Black culture. 
And I think that the further we got away from that sense of community where we are all in this together, we all black, we all one, black is beautiful. We had a sense of pride and dignity in a, a, just about our own culture. And we have gotten away from that and systemically it has uh, such an impact on our family dynamics that we're sending our children out here to slaughter unprepared uh and their their mentality is not whole it is not well-rounded and balanced so they are gearing they are walking in stereotypical manner and because we have lost that sense of community and nurturing each other our children are suffering because of it and the system is feeding off of that and because of that we're we keep our mothers are going to continue wailing and our communities are going to continue. But, let, but let's wailing. just say fathers. Well, I, I, right. Our, our, well, our family dynamic is going to continue to deteriorate because the further away as a culture we get from the community that we've had once had in place to keep us solid as one and unified as one. Now that we have kind of broken up, that already oppressive, unfair, corrupt, unjust system is, is infiltrating us at the heart, which is our children, and infecting us from within. So now I believe that as much as we are crying about the system, the outside, I believe that as a community, as a people, and I say people, this has to be a joint effort with all of us for our children's sake in order for them to survive. Because uh, us adults, okay, we all grown. We, we, if we want to live as a people, then our children's gotta survive. And we have to arm our children. We have to arm them with knowledge, physical, uh, you know, nurturing, we have to get them on a standpoint where they ready. They ready, they're, they're mentally ready, they're emotionally ready because their community and sense of family, however that may be, is, is in place. And because of that, I believe that the systemic oppression that we suffer from, no, we don't suffer, we endure, as a black people, it, it, it can, it, it's gonna recognize it's not gonna stop, but I think that it's so hard now because we're falling apart from within. So it's easy to come in and, and blow it up. But if we were a little bit more solid, a little bit more unified from within and moved together as a people, then maybe that posse effect the shit that's happening with the brutality, maybe that that could take a, a fallback. Okay, let um fire and then I see you have your I see you want to talk, Didi. Just fire fire's been waiting just, and you'll be right after him. So like I'm gonna make this quick. I just got three points. Uh I my first point is I went to a town hall meeting 
to meet the new chief of police. And uh, <laughs> that was an experience in itself about him telling us and the people how he's going to come in and change the dynamic of something. But one thing that got me was one of the people, this was a diverse group of people, whites and blacks and all of them. So one of the things that got me was a lady got to talking about uh, what are we going to do about the juveniles that's running around carrying guns and different things of that nature at 13 and 14 years old. The chief actually politicked around the question and she said, well, how can we keep them locked up? The funny thing about that situation to me was she was black. That is funny. How are yeah. you going to keep them locked up? Your thinking and your mentality, excuse me, I used all my big words on insane rhetoric this morning. So <laughs> your thinking and your ideology and your way of being <laughs> has become so skewed through the years that you think that the Europeans, and let me be politically correct, not mm -hmm. all have your best interests at heart. And they do not. I want to say something to Red Dragon. Uh, my, my problem was you talking about arming people with information. I agree with that. The problem I disagree with is that no matter how much you arm people with information, if it's a bad day for a cop, that person still winds up dead, whether they know the information or not. Well, a bad cop can use the armed information, the good information. Exactly. Or anyone, we talked about that with um, people being in, you know, the places of uh, hiring. Anyone who has the good information can still use the information badly so, for, for uh, the detriment of others. Uh, exactly. Because I don't care how much you know. I remember I told uh, Ice about this interview where Prime, uh, Deion Sanders, is down and he's watching his son play football. And he didn't, the coach didn't, white coach didn't put his son in the play. So Deion went down there and had a couple of words with him. Deion was arrested and charged with terrorist acts because he was trying to get his son to play football. So in these, in these types of situations, I don't care how much you know. If somebody wants to attack you, they're going to attack you, whether you are a Ph.D. holder, whether you are a scholar from Cambridge, black, whatever. If they want you, they're going to do what they want to systematically prove a point. Here's the next thing, and this is my last point. The problem with black society in one regard is they don't have the money to maneuver the media. Because there are more white murderous crimes in suburbia white places than there are in black. The problem with that is the spotlight is on us and not on them.
You can have a person embezzle millions to billions of dollars, but it will never hit the media. So if you want to change the narrative, then create multi-million dollar uh, mid, uh, midi, middle, media streams so you can have a platform to tell what you want to tell regardless of what the opposite say. And one thing I can give a shout out to like me and my sister did this morning, Roland Martin does a wonderful job of that. He does a wonderful job of that. My biggest thing, Red Dragon, it don't matter what you know. Mm -hmm. If they want you to be under their boot, mm -hmm. they will put you under their boot no matter who you are mm -hmm. and what you know. This is my thing. And people can say whatever. Until Black people start treating white people like white people treat Black people, it ain't going to be nothing to talk about. Not nothing. They ain't going to come and have a conversation with you until it's affecting them. Prime example, when the, when the heroin epidemic started up and it started rolling over into white suburbia, they said, oh, we got to do something. Our children are dying. It was meant for them. But now we got to do something. It was a pandemic in Black society. They didn't care about that until it was them. To truth be told, drug use amongst Black folks wasn't even that high. They just low. created They created the narrative again it, to go exactly. back to do fear. Exactly. It was the narrative. started. It started way back when. It really became prevalent in the Nixon administration. Exactly. And exactly. then when they started doing that whole war on drugs thing, what it did they do? Reaganomics. Right, Reagan, they, they incited fear. Exactly. Here's another okay. point. Here's another point, Didi. Just let me make this real quick and I'm done. Uh, welfare system was not created for black people. It's more white people on welfare and food stamps than black people ever. But the narrative. But the narrative. Because we were talking about the systems. There is no one way to hit it. It has to come from multiple ways in order to deal. First of all, it takes the individual to figure out what can I do? What yeah. can I do? No matter how big, it's no big eyes or little use. No use. It's, it's like, what can I do? Because I'm going to go back to scripture. Scripture says, Paul says, we all got a part. And yeah. every joint supplies. Yep. So if I'm bringing my part and Red Dragon, you bring your part, Ice brings hers and Fire brings his, there's still other parts part. in order to deal at the core of the system. Exactly. But the issue is, is that I, I'm going to take it further and I'm be done. First of all, our problem started with the church, black church that we all grew up in. Mm-hmm when systems were put together and then we were taught to forgive, sweep it up under the rug, mm -hmm. pray about it, pray it away. But then now that trust has been portrayed. Yeah. However, what I can say is there are churches, black and white and mixed in between, 
that are that are coming together to dismantle these systems and pull the veil off oh. mm-hmm. to expose the hypocrisy yep. on all levels. Oh, yeah, exactly. On all levels. I, I pastor. See, that's why I have to preach at a white church because I have to let them know your silence is going to kill me. Right. And exactly. I say that as their pastor. Mm-hmm. So all I'm just saying is there is no one way. Everybody gots to come and do their part. And when everybody starts coming to do their part, then we get the support we need in order to dismantle systems that have already been designed since way yeah. back when. When, yeah. Okay. Keep the father out of the home. Yeah. So uh Red Dragon, did you have a response to that before I say what I gotta say? No. I I I do understand and respect that. I I get that. Mm-hmm. So with response to the putting the ice cream on the face, <laughs> the icing, the chocolate icing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So two two things to that point. When my kids were little, there was always, and I saw, I see, still see it in the schools today. There is always some little white kid who is doing like the little scene from the movie Corinna Corinna with um, Whoopi Goldberg, where they're trying to lick the ice cream off, lick the ice cream off the kid. So my kid was little. They would lick him. They would lick him to because, you know, they were white. He was chocolate. Let me lick the chocolate ice cream. Okay. Yeah, I had to put that to a stop. <clears throat> now, there's another thing with that. Here in Houston, uh, it was reported. It didn't happen here in Houston. It happened somewhere else in the United States. But it was reported about a daycare who um, the teacher put all the little children the preschool children in blackface for, and she was trying to teach diversity and whatever for Black History Month. So she put them all in blackface for Black History Day and said, now we're all African-American. Yes, they, the parents got on that. Yes, the parents got on that. Okay. All right. See that one. Wow. Now I want to go to this, you know, because we get to talk about stuff too much, and I want to pull up the results. I just pulled up something from PubMed Central, and they did a survey of drug use across the ethnicities. Um, and they did Asian, they did African-American, Hispanic, white, other, okay? Mm -hmm. And to the question, have you used more than one drug at a time? It was white people that was at 8%. African-Americans at 3.4. Hispanic at uh, 7.6%. Mm-hmm. 
to the question, have you used drugs other than those required for medical reasons? White, 30.3%, Hispanic, 33.5%, Black, 13.8%. Are you always able to stop using drugs when you want to? 5.1%, 5.1%, 5.5%, 5.2%. It was kind of even across the board. Have you had blackouts or flashbacks as a result of drug use? African American, 0.7%. White, 4.9%. Hispanic, 5.8%. Have you ever felt bad or guilty about your drug use? White, 12.2, Hispanic, 13.8, Black, 5.4. Have family members ever complained about your involvement with drugs? White, 3.0, Hispanic, 2.9, Black, 0.7. Have you stayed away from your family because of your drug use? Hispanic, 3.3. White, 2.0. Black, 0.7. Never. Have you engaged in illegal activities in order to obtain drugs? White, 4.5. Hispanic, 4.4. Black, 1.5. Have you had medical problems as a result of your drug use? White, 1.7. Hispanic, 1.1. Black, 0.2. Have you ever experienced withdrawal symptoms when you stopped using drugs? White, 2.0. Hispanic, 1.8. Black, 1.0. Okay. There's more questions. Okay. But but you get the picture. Mm -hmm. It ain't us. Is there? Yeah. Okay. But you know what? You. But when that's you because of a strong black families. Our families are stronger than what the narrative says. So I and remember. I remember. Uh, kids a lot early. I mean, you did hear a lot of uh, uh when my son being autistic. When I went to the Judavine Center, I'm like this black mother with this black well biracial child. But all these other white people, and it, they started early drug giving their children drugs for you know whatever the doctor prescribed to deal with them in school, and then it just led to them. By the time they in middle school, they doing cocaine, and yeah, they, these are white kids. So what were you gonna say, Fire? And then I need to, I need us to, we're gonna let Fire say what he gotta say, but I need us to put it back in perspective to what the original topic was how does all of this fit in how we care about our sons our husbands our fathers our nephews our uncles go fire one thing i just wanted to say the scripture says this the poor you will have what you always you can't eliminate that but then it also alludes to the point where it says generations will be progressively worse 
as the end time comes. So in essence, there is really nothing you can do to overcome it. You can just make provisions to make it a little better and a little easier when you understand the dynamic and the dichotomy of what's about to come forth. So we 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 can try to do what we can, but we still are in a system that's designed by them. If you want to try to do something different and, and find out how you buck up against a system, what is the problem with creating your own police department within your community? Oh my God. See, I, I, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm well out the box. You know, if you think of things like that, why don't you have your own fire department that you fund in your own community? Because if you do things of that particular nature, then we'll get what we had in Tulsa, Oklahoma in 1921 all over again. Or Rosewood. Or but, Rosewood. But, but we're here to, but, 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 but here in this time, Right. Many of us are not being taught that so that we can do that. And and, and I, I, I agree with you what it in this day and age and getting it back to the narrative, as you were saying, it still all boils down to support, mm -hmm. uplifting. Yeah. Showing support to our husbands, showing support to our sons, letting our sons and daughters in many cases know that no matter, first of all, no matter how you identify, you are loved. Yeah. You know, uh, uh, no matter how much, but then too, at the same time, when we're supporting and uplifting and encouraging and educating about the systems and making them aware, it takes all of that. Yeah. There is no one thing that can be done. But then too, at the same time, like with my husband, we're going on what, 23 years of marriage. My husband always felt some sort of way that because I got degrees, I went to college or whatever, and he did not, but he's an excellent musician, you know? He has his own silent street. And I had to, and me personally, I kind of like had to watch it because I never want to come across this where, well, you know, I'm this and I'm that because I got a degree. Mm -hmm. No, I never did that. If anything, I've always pushed him first and challenged him mm -hmm. to be the man and to be up and made sure that I had his back and right. continue to have his back. Same thing with, 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 with my brothers, and my nephew, I want the men of my family to grow, to, to live out their full potential. But one thing we don't do is we don't talk about them. We don't turn them down because they could go out in the world and get that. Yep. But when right. they're home, like you said, your mama, you 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 going to uplift your child. You're going to uplift your son and say you are a king, period. You know? Right. Same. So that's one way in order to bring about the narrative. We understand that. Two, let them know that it is okay to be involved in your community. Mm -hmm. It should be. And we have to continue to bring that point up and across. Yeah. It's okay to help the homeless. It's okay to help a little old lady across the across street. street. 
it is yeah. okay to do that because for some reason somebody feels as if, oh man, you weak, you weak. No, it takes a strong person to look after somebody else. Yep, yeah. yep. Yeah. Yeah. But, but we need our police. Person. We need our police to mm -hmm. all. We need all of the different departments across the country to move as swiftly as that woman did. Mm -hmm. Because we can do all of that, Didi, mm -hmm. on our side. Mm -hmm. But we need those police to stop profiling, but being on drug squads mm -hmm. and profiling and using their clout to do whatever they want to do. So I, we I need just, that woman to do. We need. I like the way she set the standard. She did, but she raised that a black bar woman to do it. Notice it took a black woman to do it. And now we're gonna have to have people follow her lead because now there's a bar, and now we can say, yeah, 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 yeah. But over here, this is what she did. What you doing, Torrance, California? What you what doing? doing? Jackson, Houston, Mississippi. Houston, Texas. Uvalde, Texas. Uvalde, okay, Texas. All, all, and let me tell you, because, again, when you got a system in place where you got the privileged few in control, see, when you do, when you want to, to, to set that type of bar, notice it took a black woman to do it because we understand that when we give of ourselves in that nature, it empowers other. But you got folks in place that don't want to give up themselves yeah, yeah. That, to empower the other. They want to maintain the power. That is why you don't see police officers moving as swiftly to, to do what this woman has done in the police department, not even white police women, I haven't seen. All yeah. I'm saying is, is that you are absolutely right, Ice. I completely agree. She did set the bar. But the problem is, is that when the bar has already been set so low, and, and again, in a system, in a narrative that still says that you are superior because you put this badge on, black or white or, or other. But then too, I have to look at it the other side. If, if you're raising your child not to respect authority, mm -hmm. because these are still sons and fathers that are going right. out here, values, risking their lives. If we're not, some of these kids don't even value their own lives anymore. Nope. Mm -hmm. They don't value living. They are like, fuck it, I'm going to die. I'm going to die doing this. I'm like, dude, you have too much to live for. Come on now. Right. I wonder if heaven got a ghetto. Okay, so <laughs> now I'm going to let you finish, but this is how you're going to finish. Yes, ma'am. Last words. Last words. My last words is this. Every joint supplies, but you got to be willing to put your part in the joint in order to help the supply that is needed. That's my words. Fire, last words. I'd rather be judged by 12 and carried by six. All right, Red Dragon. Last on, word. On my sons by any means necessary and support them by any means necessary. I'm going to say this before I go finish out. Speaking to you, Didi, when you included our daughters, mm -hmm. 
because if you go back and listen to some of the shows, I have spoken about this. It was on early on, I think in season one. Mm-hmm. My daughter and her boyfriend, he played ball at Penn State, mm-hmm. round ball at uh, Penn State. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry, basketball. <laughs> he played basketball at Penn State. They went on a date. And he was in his mother's, his mother and father well off people at the time to have, at that time, you know, they had uh, suburban and all of that. That was, that was the, you know, that was the thing back then. Of course. And they had gone to the movies. My daughter, this was after her second trip to Honduras to build a church. Mm-hmm. She had gone with our church on a mission trip to Honduras to help build a church. The first year they built a school, the second year they built a church. My daughter chose to become natural a natural hair wearer in junior high school. So she had the Nubian knots in her head. So she had an Afrocentric hairstyle. My daughter ran track and then she had just come back from Honduras. So you know, her color is my color, but she was darker. Mm-hmm. Okay, suntanned. Yes, black people do tan. Mm-hmm. They stopped them because they were in this beautiful, new, fancy, fan-dangled red suburban. Mm-hmm. The young man, again, fast-skinned. They put those cuffs on him so tight. When he got to my house, he was showing me how they had cut. You could see the red. Mm-hmm. But they but they went after my daughter, too, in the parking lot of that movie theater. Because she was dressed in a Nubian fashion. Mm-hmm. And she had forgotten to switch purses. You know, as we switch purses, she had forgotten to switch her ID. Right, right. And all she had in her wallet was her school ID and some Honduran money mm-hmm. that she hadn't switched over when she got back. Mm-hmm. They assumed that her parents were not American. She kept saying we were born. She knew our whole pedigree and she was telling it but they wouldn't listen. My daughter and her boyfriend almost went to jail that night because they were black. Mm -hmm. It wasn't until they finally did let her use her cell phone and I sleep very hard because this child I could trust. Mm -hmm. I I knew she was gonna come home when she was supposed to come home. I need to stay up all night. Mm -hmm. So I wasn't hearing the phone at first So she called a white friend Hmm. and the white friend spoke to the police and that's when the police let her continue to call me and she's saying my mama sleeps hard and finally they had her on speakerphone when she's telling me and she's asking me the questions that they're saying to her about her being from Honduras and this, that, and the third and being here illegally. And I'm like, what are you talking about? I'm from Third Ward. What are you talking about? Mm-hmm. Where are you? Let me come up there. 
I'm saying that. Mm -hmm. So you're right. Our black girls get it too. Mm -hmm. Our black girls get it too. And it's, here's my last word. Y'all get y'all asses up. All of you. I don't care what color. But those of you who know how to think straight, because I know some of y'all still following Mr. Orange hair. You don't think straight. Those of you who think straight, get your asses up. And let's all do something about this together. In our different communities, those five guys should never, should never have been able to do what they did on any level. I'm glad you came to join us, Dee Dee, Red you. Dragon. You know you're Thank my you. girl. Fire. All right. You been up in the place. And y'all, <laughs> we gonna see y'all next time. Like, subscribe, follow. We on every platform for podcasts, including this one. And remember, as always, to enjoy the ride that is insane rhetoric we'll see y'all later from inside the she shed thank you thank you for joining us on this rewind wednesday don't forget to come back and join us on free fall friday but until then just remember to enjoy the ride that is insane rhetoric